Welcome to Adult Siblings Versus, a podcast where a grown-ass brother and sister put aside their childhood rivalry in order to review nostalgic pieces of pop culture. I'm your co-host, Jason S. Leverett. And I'm your other co-host, Ariel Leverett. Oh, well, Ariel, you know, today is a bittersweet day, because on the one hand, we're talking about something that I know that we both liked a lot back in the day, but on the other hand, we're talking about my dark weeb past. <laughs> Just a just a dark days from like age like fourteen to like like nineteen or it's just the only thing important to me in life is is anime and Japan is the best place in the world and everything else is is inferior. Yeah, we are are definitely getting into the the height of my uh, anime drawing, including one piece of Trigon artwork I did that I think I could still find. So I might have put it on the Facebook group. Mm. Well, yes, yeah, as Ariel just kind of let slip there, today we are looking at uh, Trigun, an anime that uh, I brought into the house, and it was a big hit with the Loverette household, uh, mm. f- at least for the uh, the normal folks who would be interested in that sort of thing. And uh, probably, I think that's probably one of the only animes that we actually collected the entire run of. Guys, anime used to be really fucking hard to get. Yeah, like, what yeah. a crapshoot! It like, was. I, uh, I feel like people today don't realize what a freaking bummer it was trying to collect these ridiculously expensive DVDs or, v- or VHS before that. Or yeah, or VHSs. Like it, it, it was. Yeah, it was high slayers. Out. Yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so basically, for those are of you who are a little young for that, uh, they would release... Uh, okay, so these days, there's a lot... Like, every streaming service basically has some sort of anime on it. And then there's a dedicated anime... There's multiple dedicated anime streaming services. And if you just want to get hard copies of stuff, uh, you can basically buy the whole series of your anime of choice for likely no more than $40, depending on where you're getting it from. Now, back yeah. in the day, you would pay like $30 at least to get uh, a volume of of an anime. So let's say Trigun, for example, today you could buy the whole series as a collection, but back in the day you would buy the first volume, which was four episodes, and then the second volume, which was the same price as the first one, which was, <laughs> which is all, was another four episodes, and then a third volume, which is a third, the three episodes, and hey, you're halfway through the series. You've only spent like what, like a uh, ninety dollars so far. Yeah, yeah, just uh, hard times, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember when they first started selling things as a collection. I think like the one of the first ones I got was like Gundam Wing and Outlaw Star, those type of things. And I just remember being like just so like almost crying because <laughs> of how easy it was to get the whole series in one go. I mean, this is why there there's so many anime that I remember that, like, I remember, like, the first few episodes so fucking well, because obviously, like, we weren't getting these things all at once. So, like, you know, we would have, like, the first one or two volumes for a very long time, and eventually we would get to the end, but it would just make it that, like the first few episodes of any given anime that we watched was like very, very solidified in my memory. 
yeah. this is a pretty good example because it's like there's also like such a tonal shift with, yeah with this show that it's like oh yes i forget how like it just gets darker and darker and more existential yeah and we'll talk about that um and and whatnot but before we get into that just a little housekeeping here if you'd like to uh, contact us and maybe let us know what your favorite anime memories are or your least favorite anime memories are when it comes to all the money you showed out <laughs> but anyway if you want to to send us an email so to chat about chat about that uh you can reach us at adult siblings versus at gmail.com uh we are on twitter at adult versus we are on instagram at adult siblings versus and then we are also on facebook and also don't forget to uh check us out on your podcatcher choice and make sure you give us good old review thumbs up five star reviews maybe write a little something it all helps the algorithm and of course the best way to help that podcast grow is to tell your friends you know uh, it's something kind of fun uh, i've been posting clips on instagram um for the last couple of weeks now yeah. um so if you have instagram um i'd say be on the lookout for that and then uh make sure you share that around uh through your friends and that's probably a good way of uh just a quick easy way to help out the podcast more yeah. eyes more eyes on it the more we can grow the brand okay ariel what is your nostalgia for this anime that we are going to be talking about today that is trigun yeah trigun really shines for me from like middle school high school um really enjoyed it and like it did kind of feel like uh though it is very different but it you know i watched it around the same time as cowboy cowboy bebop so like it does have like a place of like it's kind of like a, a spiritual cousin of Cowboy Bebop for me because we just, you know, consumed those two shows simultaneously pretty much. And this is like, it's definitely like around the time that I was really getting into trying to create things and I was like inspired by anime. Like I distinctly remember like I was like trying to write my own manga and like the elements of the story were like clearly so informed by Trigun like it was actually kind of dumb but you know that's it, it was just a uh, yeah really loved it at the time so uh Trigun was interesting because if you listen to the Rama one half episode you kind of heard a little bit about the start of my big anime journey uh just brief recap if I'm recalling what we said correctly I was gifted a book uh about anime called Samurai from Outer Space and I learned a whole lot about certain animes in there, and Rama One Half was one of them, and I came across that, and then brought that home. That kind of was the beginning of that. Uh, Trigun was not in that book because this Trigun was was uh, far too young to have been collected in, in that book. But by that point, I was really into trying to get as many new anime as possible. Um, now, Trigun was something at the time. This was like when I was a freshman or junior somewhere in high school for me i can't remember it probably wasn't freshman year but it was probably a little after that um trigon was one of those animes that you heard a lot about because it was very popular but the internet wasn't what the internet is today so <laughs> i didn't get like a ton of information on it it was mostly just like image imagery and of like the main character vast the stampede and it just looked just a lot of badass looking pictures yeah i didn't i didn't know much about it i knew it had it was about guns um, so one day, uh, we went to WYSIWYGS, a 
anime store and, and just Japanese collectible shop uh, that was super instrumental for me and anybody who's from like the east side of, of Michigan, especially those who grew up in the Ann Arbor, maybe Ypsilanti area, probably know WYSIWYGs very well if they're into anime. Uh, we would make the hour-long trip there every once in a while. And uh places closed now, unfortunately. It's been closed yeah. for some time. I, yeah. I'm not entirely certain when it closed, but it, at least by 2015 it was out of business. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes sense. The early 2000s was kind of like the uh, the anime boom. So you could mm-hmm. probably get away with having that specialized of a shop about anime. But I don't know if these days you could really do that. At least not there. Like... I could I, I I could see a shop like that happening uh, somewhere in like Chicago, say like there's definitely um, a, a shop that I know that has a lot of uh, kawaii thing, a lot of kawaii face, a lot of kawaii things and like products and Japanese nostalgia things there, but like. I feel like you have like more uh, opportunity to get a lot of people to go when you're in a bigger city. I mean, I think that's pretty true. Although Ann Arbor would have been a really good place for this type of thing because of the amount of young people. Yeah. Um, it's you know college town and all that. Um, anyway, uh, went there, saw that they were selling Trigons. Had the so the first volume just has that really cool image of like Vash holding his gun up to his mouth and you can't really it's, it's just looks real cool so I picked it up not knowing anything about it so at this is the point where I'm going to tell all you folks that if you have any interest in looking at Trigun but for some reason don't know anything about it this is the part of the podcast where I'm going to ask you to turn it off because we're going to do a lot of spoilers uh, about uh, Trigun and I think that if you can watch Trigun Code you should watch Trigun Code is, I think it's just more enjoyable. If all you know about Trigon is the badass pictures, and you think that's cool, I want to watch it, you should watch it. Yeah, um, so like, pause pause right now, and then come back. Yeah, you'll come back and then you'll know what I'm talking about. Now, I imagine that, that the amount of people who haven't seen Trigon at this point and want to is probably not super high. So if you're, if you're here for the spoilers, I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Anyway... But it's currently streaming on like Hulu and and Funimation. For some reason, if you have like the streaming that is related to Funimation, you probably have already seen Trigun. But eh, Hulu, it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's on currently, Hulu currently at the time of recording. I should say it might be on Disney Plus for international folks because I know a lot of Hulu's, um, a lot of the stuff on Hulu is on Disney Plus in other territories because Hulu oh. is not international. But I don't know for sure because I don't because the rights are all different out there. So it may or may not be. But yeah, if you have Hulu and you're in, in the United States, uh, pick it up. Anyway, uh, pop that DVD in. And I tell you, Ariel, I was not expecting this to be a slapstick comedy. I I remember the shenanigans in the beginning. And I, but I got, I got to say, I was jealous of not having the DVDs for this because like Hulu had so many commercials. That's yeah. one of the reasons why it took me so long to like watch this because it's just like, this is so many commercials. It's like, it was just driving me nuts. I hate it. Like, I, mm, yeah. Mm. I think I was okay with it. Not because, 
not for any other reason is that I've been watching a lot of anime on Hulu the last year or so, or not a lot, but not a lot, a lot, but more normal. And I've become used to this, the sheer amount of commercials they stick in to it. And it was just something I was used to, but I didn't like it. It was not fun. Uh, but, but yeah, like just seeing like from the moment that you see Vash pop his head out of the sand <laughs> in in that first shot after the uh, title card, I'm is just I just remember being like, "What the hell?" And I realized I had n- just had no idea about the content of this, and it made everything that followed just that much sweeter. Um, it would remain one of my favorite anime for many years. Uh, I don't think it had the staying power of Cowboy Bebop, probably one of the big contemporaries that we were watching at the time, um, but. There's still a lot about Trigo that I had a lot of affection for uh, before coming into reviewing this. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, Trigun in general. So Trigun is a 1998 anime produced by Madhouse, uh, one of the top uh, anime um, production companies of the of the day. Um, it was actually adapted from a 1996 uh, Japanese comic or manga, if you're feeling nasty, that was written and drawn by... Yasuhiro Naitao. Um, now, this is a kind of a weird story, so stay with me, Ariel. So, mm-hmm. so the original manga was published in 1995. Oh, I say it was 1996 manga. It was basically 1995. I actually, <laughs> I, I wrote it in the wrong year and meant to go back and fix it, and I apparently did not. So, mm-hmm. so 1995 manga. Sorry, folks. I, I let you down. Anyway, it was originally published in uh, monthly monthly shonen captain. Uh, shonen being uh, both a word and uh, demographic that they're aiming for, so uh, young boys. Uh, Naito, Naito, he uh, he wanted to make a kind of a Western story, but he was kind of interested in being science fiction-y. At the time, there wasn't hardly any examples of that sort of thing in Japan. Not super surprising. I'm not really sure um, how much... Um, romanticizing Japan does about the American West. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he ended up making Trigun, and it ended up being a pretty big success uh, for the magazine. It got pretty popular uh, to the point that uh, there was talk about him getting it turned into an anime, uh, but then uh, Multi Chonin Captain shut down in 1996. And mm-hmm. at the time, Trigun had only released enough material for three volumes of the comic. Um, so that's a, that's a weird thing, right? You got a popular comic and then suddenly the magazine that your comic is featured in just goes under with no warning. And now you're just without anything. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a, an example of like how some of these um, comic artists in Japan are kind of like really dependent on the, on the machine backing them and if the machine fails or just without a paddle you got a popular comic but you've got nowhere to distribute it and if you have nowhere to distribute it then you can't make volumes and then suddenly you're you're out of luck uh, mm-hmm. but luckily for Nido, uh he did end up getting an adaptation an adaptation um getting started that was done by madhouse that's what we're looking at today um now i don't know this for sure but I, but I heard that he was working with them, so my assumption is that he gave them notes on where he thought the story was going to go before the comic got canceled because of the magazine going under. So I I am I suspect that this is a reminiscent of Brian Lee O'Malley uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, when he had uh, Scott Pilgrim turn into a movie where Scott Pilgrim wasn't done yet, but he kind of gave the notes of where he thought things were going to go. And 
until they made the ending the way they did, uh, which was I think they, like the, the last act at least was all done before the books were done. So some of it is strangely accurate to the comic books. Some of them are wildly inaccurate. Fingers crossed for the cartoon that's coming. Oh, I'm I have no I have no hope at all. Aww. Aww. I I just uh, I I don't hope I have no hope at all. Um, okay. So uh, they ended up using these notes to start to produce a 26-episode story, which um, would only have, like, the first 12 chapters or whatever, whatever it was, to really draw upon to, uh, to, to make it. And they were going to have to do a lot of original stuff that no one had ever seen before. This was possibly, at the time, the only way that, Ni- that Naito thought that he could get his story finished. Uh, however, before the anime came out, he was approached by another publication, uh, this one, Young King's Hours. Uh, and this is a, a, a seinen manga, uh, that being the category older than than shonen. So this is, like, young men. So this would have been, like, as opposed to, like, middle school and under, it's probably be, like, high school and older. Hmm. Maybe middle school is kind of a gray area. It would be you know, some people... Some people were geared towards one, some people the other. But they came, they came to him and said, hey, would you like to uh, get something published in our magazine? Like, you can start making a new comic and we can publish that. And he decided that because he was really unhappy about the fact that he wasn't able to finish Trigun, uh, he opted to do a continuation of Trigun instead of a new of a new comic. So uh, Trigun was brought back in 1997, uh, retitled Trigun Maxim. So if you have ever seen Trigun comics out there, they have been published by Dark Horse in America, but if you've ever seen Trigun and Trigun Maxim and weren't sure what the difference was, uh, that is it. The, only, the major difference was that they were published in two different magazines, uh, one for younger boys, young, one for older boys. Also, if you read the comic, you'll notice that once it gets to Trigun Maxim, it's significantly darker and more violent than, <laughs> uh, than just plain Trigun. And that's probably because you can get away with more stuff with the origin demographic. So, but what does that mean for the anime? Well, the anime is probably happening, being done concurrently as this is all going down, probably working off the notes that he has. And when now he has Trigon in front of him to start doing again, let's assume that he decided, well, I don't want, I, maybe I'm feeling like I want to do something a little different than what I told those guys. Or maybe he decided that there was more, maybe he had like a change of heart of where he wanted the story to go. Maybe he wanted certain things to be different. I don't know, but the, fact is the second half of trigon is drastically different than the events that get depicted uh in trigon maxim like just a bunch of differences like from the characterization and background of many of the gung-ho guns yes the assassins who show up to the background of wolfwood who is completely different as far as his background goes in in this compared to the original comic to even the depiction of the villain knives is way different and the ending is way different like to kind of give give away a little bit i'm not super jazzed about the ending of this anime uh but the but the ending of the manga is significantly more definitive mm-hmm. like it feels more like an ending as opposed to it's just kind of stopping which is oh we get in there in a second but but uh normally when an anime has a different ending to to its manga counterpart is usually because the their, uh, the anime moved too quickly and caught up to where the comic was at the time of publication, so they couldn't. There's no new, no new material to adapt. They usually call that a gecko ending. Uh, very famous uh, Full Metal Alchemist uh, was very famous for doing this. 
uh, to the point that years later they did a re uh, remake called Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which was more based off of the actual material. This is similar, but because of this, the fact that Trigon was legitimately dead when the cartoon was being produced, it's a little different. Like I like like I again, I think this is actually closer to Scott Pilgrim than your average gecko ending in anime. Hmm. Um, now, one other thing just to note about Trigun, uh, beyond this cartoon, the Trigun franchise uh, continued on. It is still alive and well today. They released a a film uh, called Trigun Borderlands, Borderlands, Trigun Borderlands Rumble uh, that is based off of the anime we're watching today. That came out in 2010, um, set during the events of the anime. So certain characters who are supposed to be dead are in this movie because it presumably takes place before their deaths. Uh, and then more recently, as in January of 2023, so just just a few months back, uh, they released a second anime called Trigun Stampede. Now, uh, I had hoped that this was going to be like like a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but uh, in fact, it's actually a complete reimagining of the Trigun story. So, like everything from uh, the timeline of things to characterizations to character designs. Uh, is completely altered, like to the point that Vash in this new one does not resemble Vash at all from an aesthetic, aesthetic standpoint. If you had shown me the character from Trigon Stampede uh, without telling me it's supposed to be um, Vash, I would not have assumed that it was Vash to Stampede at all. I would have been like, yeah. oh, it's a very modern looking character. Yeah, I gotta say, don't like the look. I don't love it either. Now, uh, I will say, we don't really need to talk too much about Trigon Stampede because it has nothing to do with this anime, but I, in preparation for today's episode, I did watch the first episode of Trigon Stampede. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it looks okay. Um, I, I've gotten some spoilers from it, and the spoilers make me really want to check this this out. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that does happen. Um, but uh, first and foremost, you know... Um, that episode I saw, significantly less good than the first episode of the original anime. Hmm. And I can't help but notice that Millie Thompson is not in the, not in this show. At least I noticed that on the, yeah, on the IMDB, I was looking at it and like, you know, seeing a bit of the preview. I was like, hmm, where's Millie? I love yeah. Millie. No, no, they've replaced her with Roberto De Niro. Okay. Because uh, I also saw that that was a character. That seemed weird. Yeah, the... Uh, my understanding is that uh, Millie will eventually show up, and that's a bit of a spoiler there. So sorry, Ellen. But yeah, uh, for, yeah. for people like me who were like super turned off by this anime by finding out that Millie wasn't in it, uh, Millie is going to come eventually. So hmm. feel a little better. Okay, so I think that's all I have to say about the Trigun anime uh, before we start talking about the particulars. So. So Ariel, I was going to watch this, but during my viewing, uh, someone disrespected disrespected me and so i challenged them to a gun duel and long story short uh i'm in the icu so uh can you please uh tell people uh what happened in this anime uh just a, like, a little bit about you know the premise of this anime uh while i heal up from this gunshot wound stop getting into duels and destroying towns no all righty so this show takes place on essentially a desert planet um we're kind of we kind of start looking at 
this story from the viewpoint of uh, the characters Meryl, Meryl Strife, and Millie Thompson. They work for uh, a, an insurance company. And there's like all this mystique around this uh, this mysterious man, Vash the Stampede. There's apparently this like big like killer who's just going around and destroying cities. And like he's like such a liability that uh, Mil- Meryl and Millie have been sent out to kind of keep tabs on Vash and try to basically keep the damages that he is creating down to a minimum. And uh, an ongoing joke, particularly in the beginning, is that um, people keep thinking like all these various bandits are Vash the Stampede and ignoring the fact that the real one is just like the blonde guy over there who's a big goof and so it starts off with that they they do find him but it takes a couple of episodes for uh meryl to even believe that it's him that he is this mysterious like destroyer of worlds basically uh because he's just uh he's very goofy particularly in the beginning you find out just what a force he is but it kind of like leaks out here and there where you see like, oh, actually he's very skilled and this and that. And so like, as the tra- as their travels continue, you start to see more and more information about Vash and where he is, what his past actually is. And he's, he's like, he's not just a goof. Oh, he's a gunfighter. Oh, he's not just a gunfighter. Uh, he seems to be like practically superhuman. Oh, he actually, how old is he? Oh, he's been around for, he's been on this planet for how long? And wait, is he, oh, he's not human. And like, you basically get all of this stuff and eventually it comes to a reckoning with him and his brother, Knives, uh, who they are, you know, they have the same origin and uh, they have kind of taken their, a view of humanity in very different ways and uh they got some oil and water stuff going on that has to be reckoned with and that's kind of like the like the wide sweeping things about this show and meanwhile Vash is a character who is always trying to like not kill people and things constantly get destroyed around him and that becomes a, a point of just hardship so yeah he's a a big proponent of love and peace Love and the bees! Love and bees! It was nice to come back to that. So, one of the things that I think I took away from this the most is how... How should I put this? The way that the show goes from just kind of episodic adventure of the week to this long, winding story of desperation of a man trying to fight back against forces to try to drive him insane is yeah. done so well that it's kind of hard to realize that you are in that situation until you've gotten to the end. Mm. Like, the writing on this is very well done. This is one of the better, at least at least in the broad view of things, it is very well done. Um, one of the better shows I remember being out at this time. And that part holds up pretty well. I really like the the character designs. Mm. Some more than others. But there's certain character designs in this that I just absolutely adore. I think Vasta Stampede has one of the best looks in the entire medium of anime. 
I mean, there's a reason why. Like, I yeah, I went to Bristol Ren Fair. You best believe there is still always someone dressing as Vashta Stampede. Like, it's just it's just the nature of the beast. And like, yeah, his look like he gets those glasses those uh, glasses on, and you're like, ah, shit, here we go. It's very good. I loved drawing him. Yeah, um, Wolfwood's character is a little more simple and basic. However, when you see him with his um, cross punisher um even when wrapped up with him holding it it really adds a lot to his design as well like his silhouette with that thing is super memorable yeah just an iconic look once again great cosplay yeah and it's actually funny because my uh my uh guitar player from uh, zombie apocalypse now like he uh he cosplays and one of his cosplays is uh is is vasta stampede and i saw that on there i was like well shit let me get a suit and <laughs> and and make and like put some cloth around some boxes and like, and let me just let me be your wolfwood yeah yeah you really just need to get some some strips of foam and wrap it up it's very cool yeah get some, get some belts <laughs> and uh you know i gotta tell you ario i think that fascist stampede and, and wolfwood are two of my favorite characters like in mm-hmm. anime this in general like um I especially like their dynamic, and I especially like the fact that they're like not opposites of each other, but like it's like the same but with a left turn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if if for want of a nail, they would have been each other. Mm-hmm. So that stuff has always stuck stuck with me. Um, and like the aesthetic of the world, I like a lot. Um, by the way, something that I uh, found out a little bit uh, that's been confusing for me. So uh, they never say the name of the planet in the show. Right. However. All this time, I had been under the impression that the name of the planet was Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Oh. Um, that has there's numerous references to that, including a canceled video game called Trigun: The Planet Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. However, uh, when I was doing research for the episode uh, this week, I found out that apparently it is officially referred to as No Man's Land, with No Man uh, being one word. Interesting. Interesting uh, on both uh, counts. No, I. Now, Gunsmoke is a pretty corny name for for a planet that is basically a cowboy world. Like that's necessarily on the nose. But for some reason, I don't know. No Man's Land feels uh, even like less. It feels less interesting to me. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, more stuff could have been done with that. I, I, yeah, because it's I don't know. It's your planet. I I would expect a more interesting name. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, neither one of them are appropriate names to name your planet. But if I had to pick one, I would pick Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Anyway, so uh, but the world of Gunsmoke, I feel, Gunsmoke. or No Man's Land, uh, is very interesting to me. Aesthetically, is like you know very clearly based off of the American Old West, uh, though a lot of the kind of like hidden weaponry that so many characters have is very reminiscent of of like spaghetti westerns and. A movie that itself was heavily influenced by spaghetti westerns, uh, Desperado, hmm. which I feel like Naito watched Desperado and was like, "What if about what if this? But if it was a planet?" <laughs> so yeah, I think that works uh, quite well. I really want to like Marilyn Millie. <laughs> uh, I think their character designs are really good. I like the scenes where they are when they when they, when their weapons are revealed, like. Um, like Millie's is in the first episode, although she has not used it for a while. And then like Meryl 
um, is hinted at, but it was not for a couple episodes before she reveals she actually has like a shit ton of derringers on her cloak. So I do, I do like, I do like that. I think when it's funny, it's 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 pretty funny. Um, I think that uh, the the Vash is a goofball type guy. There's, there's one thing about Vash's personality that I fucking hate, and I'll talk about that. Um, uh, yeah, I I feel like it's probably the same thing, but yeah. Um, but if you take that away, it, it's kind of easy to take that away because I think the show wants you to believe that he's just pretending anyway. Um, but if you take that away, I do like a lot of the humor that comes in this, especially in like that. Before the plot starts getting serious, I really, uh, like, I think the first episode of this is one of the best first episodes. It's not the best first episode of any anime I've ever seen. Uh, do you have anything good to say about it? Yeah. About the, the show? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, for, for me, like, I mean, the design of everything is, is, uh, so interesting, including, like, the, the, the design of the towns when you're not sure what objects are like you have these these plants that are in every town it seems that like it's like a giant bulb and like you're it takes time to find out like what these things even are but they're just kind of like always like looming over uh and i find that kind of thing always like interesting yeah they look they look like giant light bulbs yeah and it's uh and like I, I like the the style of that and I and I'll get into like the characters I I, I think I I like the 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 steadfastness of like the just kind hearted nature of Millie in contrast to like all the other things that are happening yeah. um, I I like the 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 existential struggle of Vash this this pain of trying so hard to be a certain kind of person to know that you have a certain power and and to try so hard to care and not destroy when you're like a god among men and you just don't seem to be allowed to just have peace because you can't it's like you have power so you can't just let people you can't watch people suffer but whenever you have a character that has a lot of power like you know destruction always comes hand in hand with because you have with powers the ability to destroy and it and it attracts people who destroy and like this constant struggle and like i i think this the pain of it all is depicted so beautifully throughout and it just you know really gets your heart and yeah, it's it's just um, you get like fun goofs and stuff, but like the 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 emotional toll, um, I think is just very compelling. I didn't think about this until you until you started talking just now, but I think fascist stampede is Superman if Superman couldn't get his shit together. <laughs> and I feel like if 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 there was like another you know person from Krypton that was constantly you know making it hard for him to be superman you know oh yeah <laughs> if, if there was just another guy who was just like but but really though i want to kill all these people and he was constantly like don't you know like it's hard <laughs> oh yeah, his brother knives l yeah <laughs> i um i also do like how it doesn't tell us everything about the world and how things came to be immediately it takes its time and i think rewatching it this time I think it, the pacing of that works pretty well. I think there's some issues that hurt it a little bit that I 
we'll talk about in a second, but I like that we never find we don't find out exactly what um Vash is until about halfway through the series. And then even then we still have like a ton of questions. We don't find out like the exact details until the end. Um like near near the end. We don't find out exactly we find out very little about the villain of this of this series. I forget or I should say I, I think I like ended up starting to conflate legato with knives. Yeah. And I forgot how little knives is actually in this. Yeah, yeah. Millions knives, the villain of this basically only shows up in like a few episodes and the episodes he does show up, he's usually in there for like a minute or or so and doesn't really do too much to the last episode. Now as far as how this show works I am fine with that. I just wanted to make sure it's understood that uh, I really did like rewatching this. I had a, a lot of fun uh, revisiting this show, and I think that uh, if you were to say, "Oh, what is like is Trigun a good anime?" I was like, "Yeah, it's a very good anime." Now I'm saying all this because I have like a laundry list of shit I had problems with, and I don't want you to think that I hated the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we got to start with the elephant in the room. Uh, this anime looks like shit. It's old. It it's it's not just old because there are other anime that came out in the same period that have aged a lot better with their animation. Um, even um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, which ran out of money famously, like like in like the before they could finish their last few episodes, looks a shit ton better than this. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of. You know, like sometimes with comic books, where like you'll have like you know the main image. Images very like um, detailed, but then like the background stuff will be just like the most dinky line drawings, you know? Yeah. It kind of, I feel like it was that a lot. It, it was like you had like a bunch of artwork in the show that felt like that like dinky, completely nearly amorphous detail happening it, it, it yes it was it's weird yeah i mean like you can just kind of tell that this that this show did not have oh god like just thinking about what you just said is making it's making me shiver yeah yeah <laughs> like totally you just kind of tell that this show did not have the budget that a lot of its contemporaries had the fact that they had a clips show in the middle of it is a definitely testament to that oh yeah that was like what, what a bummer <laughs> yeah but you know it's there's a lot of these great designs but there's a lot of just badly drawn imagery. There's a lot of still frames as the, as it, that we're supposed to think. Like, oh, the characters are just picking a pause. Where there's literally, like, you can tell Wolfwood's cigarette isn't, it, the smoke isn't moving. Yeah, you're just zooming in. Or, like, you're just, like, panning. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is there's, fine. <laughs> there's a lot of reused clips, which is not, you know, out of the ordinary with anime. But usually you see that in, like... Um, the prestige of shows that do that is not as high as what you think Trigun would be, because Trigun is like it's like it's it's kind of a legendary anime amongst um, like our generation. But mm-hmm. like looking back on this, it's just just this is just bad. Like, and <laughs> you can watch Ava, you can watch Cowboy Bebop, hell, you can even watch Gundam that was coming out at this time, and it still isn't distractingly bad. But I don't know how many people who don't have any nostalgia for Trigun are going to be able to happily get through it here in 2023, just on the artwork alone. Yeah, I would say, yeah, on the artwork alone, you you would have to 
yeah push through that's yeah. fair yeah anime is a visual medium so like if you if you unless you have a reason to get through if you think something looks ugly well, i don't know why you'd want to subject yourself to it so it, it's just you know this, that's how it goes i said i like vasta stampede's character but there's one aspect that i fucking hate and it and i did not remember how bad it was until rewatching it and uh, i don't even know what to call it because they call it womanizing which i think is actually a mistranslation oh but... i call it vash the lech yeah per yeah fast per- the stamp pervert yeah it's yeah i, I knew that's what you're gonna bring up because like what the fuck <laughs> oh yeah it's so it's so gross now i will say that the, the part of the thing with vash is that he has created a persona for himself to that he thinks is the best way to get through life without necessarily um, drawing attention to his alien nature. Not unlike Clark Kent's bumbling Clark Kent that he mm. pretends to be. Um, you know, oh gosh, Miss Lane, I so I just locked myself out. I just locked myself out of my car again. You know that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. unlike Clark Kent, Vash has decided that the one of the things he should do is pretend that he wants to fuck every girl on the planet and their consent is only vaguely needed? I mean, like, I can't... I mean, there's not a time where he's, like, forcing himself on anyone. No, but no, this, isn't, like, this isn't fucking needless. Yeah, which like... Is, I, like, the worst I, anime just, of all time. Because, I mean, I just... Because the way you said it, it made it seem like he was, like... Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm... Not, <laughs> I guess I'm just thinking, like, the fact that he's, like, looking up women's skirts and the fact that they're screaming in, in like, disgust does not stop him from repeatedly trying... And this is this is actually the one of the things that like bug me about anime in general, particularly older anime. Like I, I I I don't know where they're really at with stuff today. But like considering how many anime have like the gags of like dudes like trying to like watch a woman shower, blah blah, which happens in, in Trigun. But like that kind of joke happens a lot at least did happen a lot with a lot of the anime that we watch. And I don't get it. I don't like it. Why, why, what's, what's the deal with Japan? Why, why were these like weird, I'm going to sneak a peek of her and her bra. Kind of like, it, it just seemed like so prevalent this, this joke. And I don't get it. You know, uh, I don't want to be a guy who tries to talk about another country's culture, having not even been to the country. Right. But I will say this. Uh, Japan has very specific laws about taking people's pictures without them knowing and that uh, you can't have your camera on silent when taking pictures like on your phone. You have you legally have to have it make a sound because it had so much problems with people using phones to take not great pictures of women on the trains. What's going on? <laughs> um... I have theories about Japan in that regard, but it's all theories, and I don't really think it's super good for me to just kind of like like shoot it out there in this podcast. But let's just yeah, say, yeah, we, we we would we would need someone like Ashley from Japan to kind of give insight of like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the show wants you to think that this aspect of Vash is like uh is like you know part of his persona. But I will say, in episode two, he absolutely tries to look at a girl in the shower. There's no one around. He doesn't have to make. Yeah. He doesn't have to pretend to hurt anybody. Uh. I think that the um, the anime guys didn't understand how much of that was supposed to be his persona and how much of that was supposed to be real at the time. The comic tones that shit down way more. Like, he is... It's present, but it's not... 
doesn't happen nearly as much. I would say that Vash is probably like a slightly le- a slightly more serious version of what we see in like starting in like episode six or seven. Yeah, I I'd forgotten about that moment until watching it. It was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, and like in the. <sighs> There's such weirdness with that in general. Like, I, I there was there's a, a later episode where they're doing like a a, a, f- a flashback to the crew that are taking these ships full of uh, humans to you know find a, a a a planet to colonize, and the crew uh, they're joking around, and like one of the guys like gives a honking squeeze to his female shipmates boobs and she just kind of like laughs it off but it's like you know covering her like chest embarrassedly and i was just like oh and it's just like what's going on i mean it was a honk i will i will say in that guy's case they were trying to make him look as bad as possible like he was there that, that's true it's part of like the plot of the episode they want him to look as much like a dirt bag as possible it's actually kind of an interesting outlook. Just to kind of say, it basically, um, knives as a child frames him, and he ends up getting the deep freeze because of it. And then you find yourself in a situation of like knowing that the guy's innocent of the crime he's being accused of, but, but still also, he's also a, a raging dick. So it kind of makes the question: Is this okay? Because this guy was obviously violent. He was obviously um, a misogynist. He might have hurt somebody left to his own devices. Does does the fact that Nice got rid of him that way is that actually beneficial, or is the fact that he is in fact innocent trump the fact that he, the fact he had not done anything bad enough to warrant that sort of punishment? I guess in I guess in view of whatever their guidelines of that ship are, I, I think groping somebody, I think you know, sexually assaulting someone like that is something that should get you fired. <laughs> like I don't think you should be allowed to run the ship after you get caught doing that but it's, it's supposed to be like a philosophical a philosophical question so i think that's okay i just don't like the main hero doing that shit yeah no that that's fair yeah before i go into characters i'll talk a couple other things um i thought that when i said i said the pacing was pretty good as far as like the the plot goes but there's a lot of episodes that i think could have been trimmed out of this like this show feels a lot longer than it needs to agreed yeah a good example of this is the first five episodes of the show. The first episode, we're introduced to Vash, and we're not 100% certain he's actually Vash's stampede based on what we have heard about Vash. And then Meryl and Millie are also not sure. And then you fast forward to episode five, and that's when he he actually uses his gun for the first time, and there's no doubt about it. They probably could have gone from episode one to episode five, and we would have gotten the exact same amount of character development. Instead, we go through three episodes of the same story over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of big bad. Is the big bad faster stampede? Let's, uh, they're causing a lot of trouble. And Meryl thinks that maybe this guy's faster stampede, but they're also chasing the real Vash and blah, blah, blah. Like that. Yeah. Different versions of that circle quite a bit in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the Vash as like his perverted worse is in those episodes. So if you just cut all those episodes out, but none of those episodes except for elements of the first one were even in the original comic. Like mm-hmm. the, basically the first the first chapter of the comic is episode five. So like 
none of that shit needed to be there. They added that there, and it slows it all up. But there's also episodes throughout the show that kind of do the same thing. Like I said, there's a clips episode, which was almost certainly there so they could get the, the 26 episode count without having to do 26 episodes worth of material. <laughs> it just felt like it was draggy at times. And, you know, combined with, like, the art not being so good, it did. Th- there were times where I felt like I was just absolutely wasting my time. Especially that four, that three episode period, I just felt like this. I maybe episode two was okay because there was some stuff in there that I think was good to know about Vash, but maybe just take some elements from that and just add that to episode one. I don't know. It would, maybe it would have been better. Basically, the story that is told in five episodes could have been told in two or three for sure. Yeah, I, I get, I get what they're doing because the idea is in those first four episodes, Vash never uses his gun. He solves all these problems completely without having to resort to that level of violence. And that's supposed to give you a good idea of his character. I just feel <laughs> that we kind of get all that in the first episode, and we didn't need to see it again uh, three more additional times. Yeah. Uh, to compare, Trigon Stampede, uh, he absolutely fires his gun uh, in the first episode. And I think that's I think it's weaker for that. There's there's such a, a you know a chill down your spine that ha- happens when he finally does you know choose to use his gun and like the excitement of when he like first like goes into like kind of that serious mode is really cool and very exciting so like I I do think it I if I had to choose I would rather wait wait for it and and maybe get some slog then have that moment happen too soon to really like oh man how exciting you know like i i want to i want that moment to be earned and i don't think it could be earned in the first episode i don't think that fast has any re- any reason to use his gun in that first episode i think the first episode is actually like i said i think the first episode is really good and then we get the first episode three more times and then we <laughs> get in, and then we finally get into the actual beginning of the anime and then from episode five, there's actually like a through line where we see them legitimately going from like point A to point B to point C, as opposed to like the first couple of episodes where they just kind of like are at these random places with no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Okay. I have some, those are my big problems. I have some problems with, with characters, but I'm wondering if we should, if I should save that for characters. If you have anything you want to touch on now, maybe you should do so. Um, I think. I have questions about the end, but it feels weird to oh, say shit. it now. Oh, shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, I do want to talk about the ending, actually. Okay, well, let's do that then. Because, like, that, that, because I, like I said before, because of the nature of, like, collecting these DVDs, I definitely do, like, remember the later episodes way less. Um, and so I had actually kind of forgotten the end. And, and like, I, I, I did wonder, like, what we were left with like I, I i i'm confused of what has like wh- what is the next step i guess yeah with, okay yeah. so we're just gonna spoil the ending here so if you don't want to if you made it this far without having watched trigon and you're still thinking about watching trigon this is the part where you want to like maybe skip ahead <laughs> um but the ending is basically a final showdown between fascist stampede and his brother millions knives and throughout the whole series it seems like the big internal conflict that Vash just had, aside from everything else, is that he needs to confront his brother 
and but what does he do when he when he gets there? Like for it seems like for most of the show, he's under the impression that he might have to kill him. Right. Um, but as we get closer to that confrontation happening, uh, his default peaceful nature heavily interferes with his mindset doing it. It's like basically one of the things that's driving him crazy at the time. But right in the in the penultimate episode, uh, he has an epiphany uh, due to something that. Uh, to Meryl says I I don't understand why he has that epiphany and what that all means but he does have the epiphany and concludes that he needs to save knives not kill knives so right so he defeats knives now to take in mind knives' plan is to wipe out all humanity because he believes that they as uh sentient plants are the superior beings and should rule the planet I'm not hundred percent certain that his logic is wrong but his actions getting there real bad guys genocide is bad um but vash does not talk him down he does not yeah. give him an example he does not change he does not get him to have his heart grow three three sizes he yeah. he beats him by shooting him a bunch of times and then he just bends him, him up pulls over his shoulder and takes him home and shows over yeah i i was so like i i just i did not remember this last episode like what and it's just like the idea she's like okay i realized that like what i need to do is to save him and for a second i thought like he he goes to where knives is and knives is like have you enjoyed being a playing the human and he's like yup gun out with a, like a smile on his face and they just begin to duel and like for a second i thought like hulu had skipped and I, you know, and like I had missed something. And it was like, no, that, that, that literally there is no converse. There is not a single conversation. I feel like he had more com- in-depth conversation with fucking Legato. Like, I, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's so confusing. Like, but- Knives is supposed to be the one. And like, literally, no, no leeway has been made. He, like, Knives never backed down like the only thing that happens is that i mean they have a standstill for a second but he still gets the upper hand there was no there was no remorse there was no second thought he's ready to kill vash he still got crazy eyes but he just gets defeated and it's just like how is this saving him like you you go out of your way to have like you know meryl basically echo the words of Rem and have that be such an important thing to him and 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 it just it's just it's so weird there that there's no discussion and there seems to be no change in knives cuz he doesn't this he's not doing anything to change him like it's just yeah. it's just weird and it and like because Vash himself is simply dueling him it doesn't feel like he has grown like just having that duel the way it is feels like undoing what it seems like he has found within himself like i it just yeah don't like it i did not like it (laughs) and like i i will say this of the way that knives is presented in the show 
I totally would get the idea that they couldn't have a conversation because there's no way Nas is going to change his mind. But then, then you have to basically take him out of the picture somehow. Yeah, if it had been one of those things where it's just like, we both have to go. I see, like, if it was one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I know, I, like, I know your nature and I, and I know that it cannot change and we do have to end, but I am here with you. And if there was like some kind of beautiful thing like that, I might be more inclined yeah, but like the way it is now, just is the it's it's problematic for all the things you said, but then also the fact that what is to stop knives from going right back to trying to kill all humanity as soon as he wakes up? And you have to understand, knives is insanely powerful. Like he's more yeah. powerful than Vash, as he seems to understand exactly how their bodies work in a way that Vash doesn't. Uh, with just Vash's arm, legato. Who's like the 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 sub villain of the show? Like like Million Knives is number two. Like with just Vash's arm, he could can take physical control of entire towns of people and force them to do whatever he wanted without seemingly any strain. Theoretically speaking, Knives could probably do that and more. So. Oh, 100%. Literally, like, the next scene we don't see after the show ends is that Nice opens his eyes. He sees Vash, right? Vash is like, yo. And then he looks over at, like, Merle and, and, and Millie and immediately kills them. And then immediately kills everyone in that town. And then Vash and him have to have another gunfight. And probably all the moons get destroyed at that point. I don't know. It's like, it's, 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 Knives is too depraved and crazy and too powerful to not have a definitive ending to his to his story. Yeah, because like at this point, carrying him back into town like that, it's just like at this point, you just want everyone to die. It's yeah. like, what? You, say you think he's just going to wake up? He's like, you think all he needed was to have like a human being give him some soup while he was in bed? Yeah. Worked for me. Here you go. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like... <sighs> um, the, uh, the comic is considerably different and ends way more definitively. I won't spoil all the details, but I will say that part of it is that Knives is different in the comic, is that Knives never wanted to kill Vash. His, Knives' plan is the same as Vash's plan to convince the other one to his way of thinking. He still is responsible for a ton of tragedy in Vash's life, but it's more, it's not simply to to make him miserable and then kill him like it is here. In the comic, it's more like maybe break his spirit so he can rebuild it so he can finally be happy yeah i feel like this like it sounds to me because i've you know i've seen this kind of character in other scenarios where it's just like this is how you'll learn it yeah. seems like i have to I'll, I'll i'll have to break the things you love but it's so you will learn and do things the right way as an example i if i understand it correctly legato at some point uh he finds he finds out that legato has been using the gung-ho guns to try to kill vash and then he he basically uh, takes Legato to uh, to get his get a whooping because he's just enraged by the fact that he's been trying to do that because that's not the plan. So like, I find um, that kind of thing so much more interesting. Yeah, um, and then like, there's also other things because there's more plants involved than just the two of them. And then mm. um, there is like character growth on Knives' side as well. So it's just it's just different. So yeah. uh, this is definitely one of those examples where the anime. Uh, interpretation of things did not go great. Um, I have a question. Yeah. 
because just to see if I just missed it. Between July and when he shows up, considering it's like, where, where, where is what's going on with knives? What is he doing during? Oh, that time? okay. So I think I missed. If it. you recall, in the July incident, where basically um, they both have the ability to generate a tremendous amount of power, from knives finds out a way to focus that power into a gun-like situation and can right. use it to basically blast things. Uh, Vash can't control this and doesn't even really really understand that he can do this. Um, Knives knows how to do it so well he can make he can just make Vash do it with a snap of his fingers. So the July incident, which is what put the sixty billion do- double dollar bounty on Vash's head, mm-hmm. was was Knives making uh, Vash activate that power in the middle of a, a populated city. Now. Right. Uh, in that scene, and they, they, they show us a little bit of that scene throughout the show. We finally see the full thing that happens. Uh, Vash ends up being able to control it enough to point his giant fuck-off gun directly at Knives. Right. And even though we don't see it happen, we don't see, like, Knives get desegregated. Knives apparently got so fucked up that he had to be in some sort of regenerative care for the next 20 years. Okay, so that's why... Okay, it, it's that he is just, like is taking all that time to heal okay yeah like it's a little unclear especially since the age legato is like when would he have been recruited if he was just chilling in a in a bata tank this whole time <laughs> yeah this is it's a little it's a little confused. plus like he, he, like one episode we see him in his healing tube and like two episodes later we see him walking around no problem so it's like did did just ding did it just ding and now it's time to fight frieza yeah <laughs> Uh, Bottom line, I think that uh, the ending is not very good. I think that uh, the the comic's probably better. Okay. Um, Can we talk about the characters a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Every time Um, I just... See, you you could tell I just watched this show because I keep doing that. Yeah. Like, hey, bear on me. Yeah. I I just... I like like that sequence because so much of it is in English. Yeah, yeah, I, this was... Three, two, one, three. Okay. This was definitely one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm clearly re-watching this with subtitles, because that's the way I consumed it the most as as a youth, and it was nice to kind of go back to that. It was actually kind of interesting, because I did debate, um, because Trigon's actually one of the anime that people will tell you is, like, as good or better um, dubbed. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that I actually prefer Vash's voice actor in the excuse me in the in the sub so much more than the um the the English dub. So like he's voiced by uh, uh, Masaya uh, Onasaka in in uh, Japan. By the way, that particular guy he's playing he's playing against type, and I know they're doing that on purpose. He usually plays his like supporting characters in anime, often kind of tricksy villains. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has but he, he has that kind of sound in a yeah when he's being his goof version. Yeah, the idea of him playing like the, the heroic protagonist or something is definitely out of character for the type of work that he does. Uh, now the English version is done by uh, Johnny Johnny Young Bosk, uh, who is uh, very famous in the nerd in the nerdy anime community for uh, playing a lot of young boys young men type character so he's also playing against type but also the fact that he used to be a power ranger right and he oh yeah he was a he 
he was the voice of uh, Ichigo in Bleach. Uh, I haven't. I don't know if I've ever seen an, an English episode of Bleach. Now that I think about it. Um, but but I I just think that uh, Johnny Young is. I think he's good. But I think that uh, Onosaka has just such a unique voice, especially when he's screaming, that I just didn't yeah. want to miss out on that. Yeah, the way I kind of, at least in the context of the podcast, it was one of those things where it's like, I let me consume this the way that I consumed it the most when this was new to me to kind of go with the nostalgia. Because with like Ranma, because we had a lot of tapes in English, it's like, okay, it makes sense to watch a fair amount of this in the dub version. But like with this, I definitely, because this was like watching... Trigun was also in the height of me like learning Japanese as well and so like I very much you know was into watching the the subtitled version and even now I was like going back it was like there were like little phrases I was like I know they said it translated into this but really this word means more of this oh yeah there's, there's there's a lot of like translation errors I would say just with my own rudimentary understanding of Japanese there's a lot of stuff in even the the sub that is just incorrect which is like weird because it's like why don't you just this this is the the area to give the right translation it's strange but yeah but anyway i i enjoyed uh watching the show in japanese and then immediately going like "Ah, i need to get back to it i need to get back to studying japanese i don't have any reason for it but i still want to (laughs) anyway to talk about characters uh so you know vast stampede I, aside from, like, the pervert stuff, I do really like the character. Um, I like the idea that he is convinced that he doesn't need to kill anybody. Like, the idea that, um, you can't call him a pacifist. I think the show wants you to call him a pacifist, but a pacifist wouldn't have a gun at all. Yeah. Um, but, like, the fact that he doesn't, like, he goes to great lengths to, to make sure nobody dies around him, I think is a very, it's a very superhero-esque aspect to him that i that i like i think it just in in regards to a pacifist you know it's like because a pacifist you know can't engage even to save someone you're just like i'm just i just i'm not gonna fight i'm not gonna fight but like the 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 constant struggle he has of like you know this person's getting the shit kicked out of them i cannot let that happen i like i can't watch anyone be killed it you know, it's it's just yeah, it's a it's a it's a compelling struggle. It's a it's a good um, it's a it's a interesting thing to watch with a with a hero. You know, this kind of like I get just have to be pulled back in because I can't watch innocent suffer. Uh, I also uh, I, I tend to really like uh, the exas the exasperated aspects of the character when he's just like just like oh my god, I am not prepared for this level of carnage. <laughs> Um, that sort of aspect where it's just like it happens so much just like uh, I just want to have a chill day oh my god this mountain is falling on top of everybody yeah and it's apparently my fault ah yeah it's always his fault oh god <laughs> and I, and I enjoy like you know when he is in vacay mode in various times and he's like uh, having fun with the kids I love it <laughs> see when he gets hit in the face with like a kid's soccer ball and he starts chasing them around with it on his on his face, and they have yeah. like this back and forth, like they, it's it's all vast very fun. stampede, friend to all children. Yeah, it, it, it's it's fun. 
Also, by the way, one of my favorite scenes in anime ever is, like, Vash trying to use his reputation to try to scare some thugs in a hostage situation. So, like, instead of just coming right at them, like, they can hear his footsteps down a dark hallway, and he starts singing this ridiculously bloodthirsty song to try to scare them into surrendering. It's so funny, because, like, once again, I, I, for, I, I cannot believe... I had forgotten about that. I used to sing that song constantly. It was like, it was forgetting an old book existed or like a beloved, like a beloved stuffed animal. Just be like, oh, right. I love this scene. (laughs) My big problem with Vash, aside from the obvious stuff we already talked about, is the fact that I don't think, and this actually has to do with the ending too, the show doesn't really have an answer to the question, can peace actually work? Like, can pacifism win out? Instead of answering the question, it just kind of kicks the can down down the down the road and doesn't really take the time to say one way or the other. Because Vash, like this, this is where, as a superhero analogy, it doesn't work. Because Vash is constantly trying to make sure everybody lives. But then once we get past a certain point in the show, it constantly backfires on him. And, like, more people end up getting killed than if he had just, like, pulled the trigger, or including his including his friends. Um, he has to, like, it's, like, more and more people die simply because he won't, like, he refused to kill a monster. Yeah, that that's a big thing with this, where, like, this kind of desire to not kill anyone and this and that... But you, but reckoning with the fact that so many more people are dead because of him, that and and it's it's a hard thing to to allow to like to allow get past because it's like so many more people are dead be- because you were there and these things happened. A lot of people were often killed while someone was trying to kill him. Blah blah blah, and then to a even umpteenth degree the the danger of like the world in general does come from him not dealing with knives and so there's this looming thing of like someone trying to you know destroy the world it's it like this traveling with him for so long even yeah. though he like because he was like i'm not gonna let you kill any more people it's like dude how many people has he killed and, and you gotta it's hard it's kind of like the the batman joker problem in a way where like mm-hmm. how many people would be saved if batman broke joker's neck but uh. it's different here because uh as the snyder fans would say we live in a society like batman just can't kill the joker without being repercussions even in the short term even though it would probably be better for everybody you just can't kill a dude in like cold blood and the fairly realistic world of the Batman universe where here everyone you live in a you basically live in the wild west but a planet yeah and um you're already the most wanted man in the world there's there'll be zero repercussions for for killing these genocidal monsters who are just ripping through cities trying to just to make you have a bad day yeah and also and his dynamic with his society is different you know like batman's relationship to gotham is very different than vash's relationship to the various people of this planet so like um i should point out though i don't i'm not trying to advocate the idea that vash should be killing his 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 these adversaries i actually don't mind the idea that vash 
won't do it and then there are repercussions. My problem yeah. is that I feel like the show doesn't give me an answer to the question because the answer seems to be that pacifism doesn't work. But the show is kind of like, but doesn't it? Maybe it does. I'm like, well, no, all these people just got killed because he because he couldn't act. Yes, but how many people were saved because of him? None. The answer yeah. is none. I I 100% <laughs> agree with you. Like, it's not the the struggle with it. I think is interesting, but like I, I yeah I don't think they, I don't think they really explore it, and make enough conclusions about it. Yeah, uh. it, it kind of reminded me of Gundam Wing because in Gundam Wing one of the big themes in there is the idea of of pacifism being like the the ideal way for society to live. But the problem in that show is that it really doesn't do a good job of of showing how we get there because the show concludes that pacifism will work as long as every single person in society agrees to be a pacifist. So it's like, what happens when people refuse to be a pacifist and then try to conquer people? Well, then we use pacifism to get them to stop. Um, how? With the power of love. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. I, and this is, I don't think this is necessarily something that expects you to have an answer to. I'm more thinking out loud. The nature of... Um, Vash and the gun and the imagery of it going off and the way it the the that quiet explosion that happens with it like coming from Japanese creators and being a Japanese show I assume that like that kind of thing has a lot more weight to them you know coming from a country that has experienced nuclear bombs and I feel like it adds to I like I really want more things to be said about what is the answer like what 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 viewpoint they're trying to make because I mean like I can only imagine because like like I, I was really pulled in by you know the imagery of that and that like explosion in the distance and the bright light that completely changed the state of the sky and and everything and made everything red like that's very distinct and for japanese people i can only imagine that that is even more you know heart stopping and and just like uh triggering maybe uh and so like having that very evocative imagery of this destruction because like because they're kind of nukes yeah the embodiment of nukes and so like what are we saying with that because that's that you know it it's just interesting yeah i i definitely don't have an answer um but i think that's something that they keep i think it definitely weighs differently on an american audience than a japanese one so interesting considering how americanized this anime is to the point that the main character can't even read kanji yes i i yeah that was weird that was very interesting (laughs) Because I guess they're because they're not I guess they're just not supposed to be necessary you know obviously the names it's not Japanese world right like yeah, it's not like a yeah, world they're... of the Japanese people so yeah um, I get it My, but minus I mean, the one like dude it's, it's still it's, and even he seems like he's just pretending to be Japanese like he doesn't seem to really know one hundred percent what's going on there that's really, yeah okay um, that's probably enough about Vash let's move on I want to talk about Nicholas D Wolfwood um, who is a character who I like a lot not a whole lot to talk about him really he's kind of like this um like what if vash but 
was okay with killing is kind of how it boils down to. Yeah. Made more interesting to the fact that he claims he's a priest. Yeah. So he sh- you'd think he'd be he'd be the pacifist of the two. I mean, I, I don't know. I've always liked the uh, gun-toting priest um, character archetype. I don't yeah. know why. It was like the idea of like someone who's supposed to be like so devoted to God, like so throwing the principles of the religion in its face to that violent degree. I it's I I think I like it a little bit more as a villain. I think there was a I don't think it was a gun toting one, but there was a villain in Helsing who was kind of that same type of archetype. But I really like I really like Wolfwood. I like that uh, he has a whole lot of like baggage that we learn over time. And while I don't have a lot to say about him, I do have to point out that apparently uh, Wolfwood in the cartoon and Wolfwood in the comic are just ridiculously different. Hmm. To the, to, and I can't decide. There's a lot of things that I, I think I, I would like more about the comic. This is one that I'm not sure if I do. Because in, in the cartoon, Wolfwood is just depicted as like this human being who is so incredibly skilled at 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 uh, gunfighting that he's actually Vash's equal or at least near his equal even though Vash is a superhuman like alien monster which actually makes him significantly more skilled right like because like so much of Vash's skill with with guns is just a nature of his general superior superior physical ability and probably Mm -hmm. cognitive ability in the comic Wolfwood is part of a cult that worships knives as a god and they and they base the religion off of Christianity, and they take their most promising um, young members and give them like a combination of drugs and like surgery and training that makes them significantly more physically capable than the, your average human, um, and have regenerative abilities at the cost of making them age faster. So, like, Wolfwood in the comic is not only not quite human, he's actually significantly younger than he looks and will likely die early um, just as a virtue of that. Yeah. Huh. Now, I think it's, I think there's a lot more stuff going on. This, is, this to me, is, like, a prime example. I'm guessing that um, Naito told Madhouse, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to have... Wolf would be involved with the gung-ho guns and he's going to turn on them and he's going to help fast in the end and he's probably going to die. Uh, and then when he actually got to write that version of the story, he decided, like, well, what if I threw this in and throw this in and this in? And then we end up getting a very mo- a much more complex situation um, in, in here than, than what we saw in the anime. So uh, apparently in Trigon Stampede, it's even worse because he's actually even younger than than all that. Hmm. Like he, he looks like he's in his 30s. He's actually like a teenager or something like that i i i don't like any of that so i guess it's all for the best (laughs) yeah i i i I guess um but most of the stuff i like about about wolfwood are stuff that i've already said i liked about about vast but i will say i love the idea that um wolfwood chose pacifism and died for it like he chose not he chose not to kill his mentor in that last duel Mm -hmm. because he because he felt like he wanted to live up to vash's to Vash's ex, uh, expectations, and and there was a price to pay for it. Hmm. Now, a, a better show would have been would have been like he would have died, been like, yeah, this sucks, but I think I did the right thing, and I I, I have no regrets. Where he kind of ended up doing the 
the tenth doctor thing of I don't want to go. <laughs> By the way, I am convinced that at least part of the reason that they brought David Tennant back to be the doctor again was so they could have a better send out because he kind of has a punk regeneration scene compared to like all the other doctors. Yeah, it's where they all go with they... dignity and he goes out going like I don't want to go. Yeah, he does spend a lot of time being upset about quote unquote dying. But that's yeah. not, that's a conversation I would love to have on a different day. Yeah, that's, we're cutting that out for sure. Um, anyway, um, anything else about Wolfwood you want to say before I move on? Um, I just think like the, the moments where, you know, they're teaming up and getting down to business and shooting up folks and doing a thing, it's very fun. Like when they go to uh, rescue a, a girl in this town and there's like, a hundred bandits who and that 200 they have to take. there's 200 so 100 each oh 100 each and like they're just like all right let's get it going and like you don't even see the fight you just see like the aftermath and like everyone has been just biffed and it's just it's just very fun and the first time you realize what that cross is you're like shit it is it's very fun to me cross punisher is one of the most iconic weapons in anime definitely it, it's just that is just something about this show where you just have these moments that you're like oh fuck and it's it's just like so cool when you feel it when you realize what kind of weapon a person has that thing that was just in the background is like this awesome thing and it's just like yeah it's fun and wolf would yeah i i i do i do wish we had more of more depth with him but i definitely don't want those other storylines that you mentioned so i guess once again maybe it's all for the best i want to quickly talk about uh meryl and melly i wish i could talk more about them but i think the, sh- the part of my this is like i was kind of biting my tongue about waiting to hear i i think meryl and melly are done dirty in this show as they have a pretty it seems like they're like the actual pov characters of the show when we when the in the first episode and then they quickly get swept to barely supporting characters when i say barely supporting characters i mean like they barely contribute to to the every every couple episodes they do something that's sort of contributing to things but then most of the time they're mostly just reacting and neither of them are anywhere near as skilled as fash or wolfwood so they can't contribute to the to the fighting to any real degree even though they both have real cool weapons and, like, you know, the sad thing is because they do have little moments where they show off some skill, and it's very exciting. Like, there's one point where they've gotten, uh, they're on a sand ship thing traveling, and once again, bandits have taken over the ship, and they're tied up, and they have, like, a whole plan where, like, you know, I think it was, like, Millie, like, kicks up. A suitcase and her giant gun comes out, and like it falls, and like you know, like Meryl like shoots it with her feet, and like it's just like it's just a, I mean, it's a, a little overdone, but like it's it's fun, and like there are all their moments, like little short moments where they get to kind of like show their skill, but it's so minor, and I don't know why they don't allow that to be more prominent. It's just sexism. It's just like in, it's like in, it's like institutionalized sexism. Like they didn't. No one was doing this to 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 do bad by them or or women. They just literally didn't think to do it. 
it didn't occur to them that anyone would want to see that. And, like, it's um, frustrating. You have, like, the one other, like, badass, like, female fighter person the who's in the um, the gang. Uh, and, like, what happens there? Vash, like, rips her shirt open so her bra's showing, you know? It's just yeah. like, come, yeah. what, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the characters go, uh, Millie is the better one. Uh, they're basically, um, their personalities is, like, Meryl is, like, the... Um, leader the kind of the gung-ho we have to do our job type of thing and millie's more of the airheaded one whose personality is probably much closer to vash and, and wolfwood like yeah. in terms of like how they view the world um, she definitely seems to get them more for sure right from the beginning yeah, yeah. like she millie um suspects that vash is definitely vash a stampede from the first episode where meryl kind of refuses to acknowledge it for for a few more episodes in but what we learn of of their characters, I think, is is, is like fine. So like, I, we guess you learn more about Millie than we do about Meryl, technically speaking. But like, yeah, which is a little odd because Meryl is set up to be like the female lead of the show. But the problem is the show kind of makes her Vash's kind of one sided love interest, and at some point, that's really all she is. Like yeah. like it has a kind of like a um, slap slap kiss thing going on with her. Um, no slapping. Oh, she beats him up a lot. So she's actually the one yeah, doing there's, this. Yeah, there's one point where, like, I guess it was near the end, where he gives her a long hug because he's had that, like, little revelation. And she decides that the hug has gone too long, and she, like, punches him and knocks so him out. So weird, because he spent the, all that episode basically lamenting about how in love with him she is. And... Yeah, she, she went for surprise to being into it, to f- flustered, and then she punches him. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be a cultural thing. Um, yeah. And, yeah. In, any, in, in any event, um, I wanted to like Meryl and Millie more than I did. Like, I remember liking them more. But I think I I forgot how little they they play a role. Like, so every once in a while, they'll, they'll be involved in something. Like, they, they rescue... They don't know they rescue Vash, but they definitely help him out on, like, the first time the train gets hijacked. And they definitely are his support system, like, in the penultimate episode. That's for sure. But it just... but. They don't even get told what the hell is going on with any of the plot that they are are really involved in until the very end, and we don't even get to hear that conversation. We don't really even get to hear Meryl's reaction to find out that Vash is is not human. Yeah, and like, and this is there's so many things about this show that's very cyclical. Like big showdown, Vash is very much hurt, and you know someone is some some female character usually is is treating his wounds and he's like bedridden for a while and he runs off to do something and Meryl's like I gotta follow him and Millie's like maybe you shouldn't and it's like I'm gonna do it anyway and like shenanigans happen with that like that is like it just happens again and again and again which is a little you know it's a yeah. little boring because it's like it, the the cycle of this happens multiple times in the show um, I, I will say this about Trigon Stampede after watching the first episode. Uh, Meryl was promising. She's significantly more promising in that episode than she was in the equivalent first episode of this show. That's good. So I'm hoping that that might mean that she plays a bigger role, even if she's not big on Slayer. Uh, one thing I just want to mention before I'm done talking about them is that they're known for their nicknames, even though they only get said once in the show. But like in just Trigun lore and fandom, their nicknames are well known. Uh, Derringer Merrow and Stun Gun Millie. 
Hmm. I feel that they need to they need to use their guns more for that to Plus they 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 refer to themselves as that. It's like I'm sometimes known as Derringer Merrill. It's like who fucking calls you that? <laughs> it it sucks. The first time Merrill takes out her her guns, like she disarms a bunch of guys, like yeah. um with her sharpshooting skills in a very poorly animated sequence. But um even so, like like you're like, Oh, actually Merrill's actually kind of a badass gunslinger too. I don't know how much I think she may use her gun twice more after that scene. Yeah, in a similar way, like Millie is super strong, and the reveal of her giant gun—you know—it's like it falls to the floor and it makes this huge boom because it's obviously very heavy. And she's just like whoopsie doodle and like you know picks it up with one arm, and like she she's it's so interesting because she's she's farm strong. Apparently, yeah. Because you're just like and, and, country strong. Yeah, and and I always like enjoy like those kind of like uh, characters that are just like I'm like a, a sweet person and and just hanging out, but I could like just like crush you with my uh, pinky if I really wanted to. I don't want to, and I won't. And I was just like, I don't know. I I just feel like there just could be. I I wish there were more opportunities. Just. For her to like show off that strength even if it, not necessarily in like a fight but like i don't know all right uh, i want to talk a little bit about the villains but i don't want to go too deep into it uh, i'll just mention legato is the probably the actual main villain of the show because he's the main antagonist throughout the show until he gets killed very late in it and then then he's trying to go fight the boss um yeah uh, it is it is like a game when like the penultimate boss ends up being harder than the main one you're just like oh okay oh god like <laughs> even more than that in the comic um every time vash beats one of the gung-ho guns they have to give him a coin so it's even more like a game <laughs> like wow. um but like legato is like just this really like it's hard to talk about him because he's not actually that interesting he's just this wholly devoted to the destruction of Vash. He's not very emotional. He doesn't really have any personality traits. The only time he does anything that's not directly related to the destruction of, of Vash is saving some slaves, which the show gives no really good context to it. Like, apparently his background is that he used to be a slave, so him yeah. freeing them might have almost certainly meant a little bit more to him than just simply, I feel like killing these guys. Mm-hmm. The show just doesn't get into it. Um, he is the point where the show goes from like happy-go-lucky cowboy cartoon to oh that guy's head is in a bag, and that's a pretty intense thing. But like I don't know, like I feel like um, Legato is not like a super super interesting character, but he's a serviceable enough villain for what this what this is. Um, I really want to talk about the gun ho guns, but I want to let you get a chance to say something about Legato if you have anything to say. With the telepathy that seems to happen. Uh, yeah. What's going on there? Okay, so this the show does not explain it, and I and this is not present in the comic. But basically, Legato has been grafted the arm that Knives shot off of Vash 20 years prior to the series in the July incident. And <sighs> apparently, that gives him the ability to control people with telekinesis, which is apparently a power that Knives and Vash both have, but Vash just doesn't understand anything about it. Okay. Because, like, I was like, 
I know that he's not one of them. And I think this is might might have been one of the reasons why I in my mind like over time started to conflate knives and legato because of like he was doing very like uh, beyond the capacity of a human things and I think I just like forgot uh who he was. Yeah. I I mean like I think it's hard because it just it just feels like these things shouldn't be him. Yeah, if if he's not the biggest bad, I just like I, it, I, I there's just like so much like menace and and energy spent towards him looming, but we yeah. also have a bigger loomer, and it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's a yeah, little it, hard. I think it like you have to kind of do a disservice to both him and knives because of it, because I feel like they're kind of like feel like they're taking the place of like one character. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a um legitimate way of looking at it and the comic knives is in it way more than in the anime mm. and so their relationship is a little different and in fact they are not necessarily on the same page mm. but uh but yeah uh, i'll talk about the gung-ho gun so that's the uh, group of assassins that legato leads to torture um vash throughout the series such I a don't festive use... name yeah the gung-ho <laughs> guns like they all have like like most of them have like kind of like the same um, sort of naming things so it's like there's a uh, this for example you know uh, Mon of the Mon of the Gale Dominic the Cyclops uh, Zazie the Beast uh, Leonoff the Puppet Master so on and so forth uh, by the way uh, uh, Wolfwood is supposed to be Chapel the Evergreen okay so that's why they have him because that would have been Wolfwood's space in the group yeah okay so the reason I want to talk about them is just that some of them are so wildly different presented mm-hmm. in the comic compared to the anime. And some of them are even different. Like, so there's some who appear in the com- in the comic that don't appear in the anime and vice versa. And it's really got a, kind of a, an interesting thing, including some characters who actually betray them to join Vash at some point who either don't in the anime or just don't appear in the anime at all. And some of these characters end up changing the dynamic of their interactions with Vash completely that we just miss out on. Like, for example, uh, Leonoff the Puppet Master is portrayed as being one of the more problematic enemies Vash has to fight as he takes the fight to Vash's, like, hometown or whatever. But in the comic, Leonoff was actually someone that Vash knew years before that. Like, mm. Leonoff was a child who Vash knew who grew up hating him and resenting him. Mm. and that's something that probably could have been touched on at all was not in this chapel is completely different like in this anime chapel is wolfwood's mentor who wants him to succeed him as chapel they have they seem to have something of a connection like a a bit of a bond like uh, uh chapel is horrified that wolfwood is murdered the way he is and tries to avenge him where in the in the comic he uh, Chapel, who uh, is more no, I guess he's more Mister C, Mister uh, Master C, because uh, Wolfwood has already become Chapel at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just this abusive monster who doesn't give two rats about whether or not Wolfwood lives or dies, as long as his agenda is is fulfilled. Um, so it's like this is very very different um, stuff. Even fucking Mid Valley, the Horn Freak. Uh, it turns out in the comic book he is. He was forced to join the Gung Ho Guns, and he hates being there. And he's been trying to figure out ways how he can leave the group. Uh, Zazie the Beast is actually a bunch of bugs in a little boy suit. Yeah. 
He's like um, Oogie Boogie. And uh, Greater Nine Lives, instead of being uh, a, a robot, he is a bunch of little people in a robot suit. There's also a um, some gung ho guns that don't appear in the cartoon. There's like a, a one who, uh, there's a second female gung ho gun who's actually a trans woman. Huh. Um, and then there's like Wolfwood's childhood friend who's also a gung ho gun. Hmm. So that completely changes the dynamic of like of the story, especially after Wolfwood is killed. I, I'm mentioning all this partially to kind of illustrate the difference between the comic and the anime, but also to kind of say that uh, we were kind of cheated because the gung-ho guns are not that interesting in the cartoon. Like, they are they look interesting. Most of them look very interesting, but most of them are either, like, easily defeated very quickly or they feel, like, more like nuisances as opposed to actual antagonists. Like, like ah, God, this guy was just get beaten already so we can move on and do something more more interesting. Mm-hmm. Although interesting, uh, Ride the, the Blade actually had his own spinoff manga at some point. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I could see that. that, that he has a whole like... complicated backstory that just is not going to get mentioned in this cartoon. So, all right, uh, anything you want to add to uh, the Gung Ho Guns? Uh, I mean, I already talked about like how I feel like Dominique the Cyclops was done dirty. It's yeah. like it's like you have a woman being a badass, but you have to make a joke about like you know showing her bra and being like, if you were nicer, we could date. Like, come on. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd like it if you were a dress next time. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just like, ah, God, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any, any other characters we need to spend too much time on. Like, there's Rem, but she's more of an idea than a character, so I don't really, really feel like a brain desire to talk too much about her. Yeah. I mean, it definitely... It does... It just, like, tied up with Red, I just, like, I am wondering just the context of how knives and vash came to be because they have like the sequence where like everyone has like their like newborns like a like umbilical cord still attached to them and she's like standing in the way between them and like a bunch of the crew with guns and i'm kind of just confused of like what I mean, I guess it's like you know, in the grand scheme of things, it it's it, okay. I guess that it's it's not uh, explicitly explained like what they were, but it's kind of confusing. yeah. They I think they explain it better in the comic. Um, I want to say it's never kind of talk about this. I, I do want to say one thing about about Rem, and this is definitely a comic a comic thing. This is the thing I found out that just made me decide I have to fucking read this comic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's out of print currently, but they're actually bringing it back by the end of the year, and I think I'm going to... I think I'm definitely going to start buying it. Vash, in the comic book, Vash and Knives are not the first plant child to be born to the space crew. There mm-hmm. was a girl who was who was born the same way, um, and then the crew experimented on her to death. Wow. And Rem didn't really do enough to stop that from happening. And then when she died, Rem was feeling like all sorts of regret about how she didn't do enough to help her. So then when Vash and Knives came along, she went to great lengths to be their protector and to to raise them in order to atone for for not helping their sister. And then it is finding out what the crew did to um to the other girl that makes Knives decide I have to kill all humans. See, this is all compelling stuff. 
you know, if, if we hadn't spent so much time doing shenanigans in the first few episodes, maybe we could have gotten some more of this information. Well, see, see that's, that's the thing. You have to remember that a lot of these details were not in existence yet. Right. Ugh, what a bummer. So, like, this, is, this, this is cool stuff that, that, um, Naito, that Naito thought of after the production of the anime had already started. Folks, this kind of Rasmus Tez didn't start with Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, Game of Thrones is another would have been another example, um, probably a bit, slightly better example than uh, than uh, Scott Pilgrim because it's actually a TV show. But that's definitely a good example there. Yeah, um, things things falling apart because you don't actually know the ending. Yeah, I think it's time to wrap up. I do want to talk about music a little bit in the sense that I just think that the the opening and ending songs are two of my favorites of an anime. Yeah, I had actually kind of I had forgotten how much I enjoy the soundtrack for this. Yeah, so like the uh, opening has a song called HT. Uh, it is a kind of a rocking, uh, lyricless, instrumental type of deal that's just very like it doesn't really sound cowboyish, but it definitely p- pumps you up for uh, for an exciting gun toting show. Yeah, and then I believe the ending was a uh, Kaze wa Mirai ni Fuku. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it sounds, it's just a weird sounding song, but it's just, it really gets in you. Like, it really make it really kind of like feel like a good cool down song for whatever you just watched in the show. Yeah. Very, remember, both songs are very bass heavy. Yeah. I remember like, uh, like watching, rewatching the show. It takes us, there's like a second of being like, is this in like a weird key that's not quite meshing? But it's but like the more you hear it, the more you're just like, nope, no, this is great. It's in my head. And then you know, a couple episodes in, you're just like, yeah, yeah, la, 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 and you're having a great time. Okay. Um. Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, before we give our final thoughts? Uh, as far as music, there's a song that is repeated by the characters. It is, uh, a song within the story that's you know, that is sung by Rem. Um, that is very, you know, uh, it's very close to Vash and, and throughout the show, other people will sing it and he is reminded of Rem and it's a very, you know, beautiful poetic song and it's very sweet. And I feel like I, I, I get that more now about that kind of, uh, yeah, she used to sing this song and of course other people know it. Yeah. But it's meaningful to me. And it's just like, I, I need to try to find it, see if it's on Spotify. But anyway, that though, that was my extra thought. All right, let's, uh, let's uh, ring a little long. So let's go, go ahead and wrap things up here. So, Ariel, what would you give Trigun? Would you give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs somewhere in the middle? I'm going to say in the end, I'm still giving it a thumbs up. Hmm. I think it was a little hard because I kind of, I had to binge it a bit. And so that kind of made things kind of a little exaggerated like the the faults of it but i think if i had rewatched it at a more normal pace i think it wouldn't have been like the the faults that we mentioned i think wouldn't have like rung as like strongly but like i still think it's a fun time and i and i and i still think i would recommend it um yeah that's how i feel yeah um i also give it a thumbs up um i enjoyed revisiting the show for sure and uh it kind of real reawakened old feelings I hadn't felt in a while and that and I, and I appreciate that yeah I do have a hard time recommending it though because it's just 
it, in, unless you are already an anime fan and you are not too picky about old kind of style animation, like pre-digital art, it's hard to tell you you'd be able to get through this. I know a lot of people who who have a hard time with older stuff, and I don't think Trigon is a is going to be the thing that's going to change your opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I would say that I, I this would not be the thing I would recommend to someone who is not used to anime. This is definitely a recommendation for someone who's probably heard about Trigun and already watches anime and is like, I haven't watched it before. And I would probably be like, yeah, yeah, you should. Um, yes, this is, this is not uh, an anime that I would offer up to someone who is relatively new to it for various reasons. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. So... Uh, next week, we're going to do something a little different. I keep saying next week. I don't know when the next episode is going to be. Is it going to be in two weeks? Is it going to be in a month? Is this going to be six months down the line? I don't know. But <laughs> Next time. Next time. Uh, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to actually talk explicitly just about music on uh, on a topic. We are, we are going to revisit probably the most significant musical artist of our childhood, the one artist that everyone in the household agreed was good to listen to and safe to listen to. So we listened to this person a ton of throughout many years. And uh, I still I still love this person to this day. Yeah. Oh, me too. I yeah. Part of me is continuing my acting career because if I became famous and met this artist, I would be able to be like, I think you're great. And I want to be famous enough that he's like extra flattered. Okay. Uh, we are talking about uh, Weird Al. Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, we are going to be talking about our uh, love and nostalgia for this guy. I'm not 100% certain how we're, gonna, how we're going to structure this, but I think we're going to be talking about, you know, the songs that we both like. Maybe the albums that we particularly like and kind of going through it a little bit. So that's going to be interesting. We've never... We've, like you and I have talked about doing music before. We've talked about doing a Star Wars music episode. We've talked about doing a review of songs of the Kia Springfield. Oh, um, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. So, But this is going to be uh, kind of interesting. I'm kind of curious how we're going to end up uh, getting that together. It'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save all my uh, Weird Al references till next time. Except I will say uh, that every time he voices somebody in Transformers is a good day. <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> you know, I just saw him cameo in the in the uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem TV show. Oh, wow. It's like, that guy, Weird Al just does whatever he wants. We'll probably talk more about, about Weird Al. Maybe talk about, we're not, it's important to note where you're not doing UHF. Uh, so don't think that we're doing uh, UHF. We're just talking about his music. Um, UHF is definitely on the menu to do something down the line. It's just not going to be the day. So if you see Weird Al in our social media, don't get confused. We're not doing <laughs> UHF. Or Weird the Al Yankovic story, which is also <laughs> quite good. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's free. I think uh, we're going to be uh, shutting down here. Uh, AdultSiblingsVersus at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at AdultVersus and on Instagram at AdultSiblingsVersus. And also on Facebook, our theme song is Sell Out by Zion Apocalypse Now from the EP Forbidden Tales of Science. You can find that and more at antizombierock.bandcamp.com. Uh, now, Ario, I gotta, I gotta ask you, how many episodes would you have gone before you decided to shoot somebody if you were in Vasta Stampede's boots? Like... 
a, a crisp seven. A crisp seven. Okay. Um, I would have made it to episode two i don't think i would have been able to make it out of that uh underground cavern without shooting that mustachioed guy in the face oh i have like one more thought oh if you don't if you don't want your child to be murderous and be a psychopath maybe don't name them knives you know i don't understand what went on there maybe she doesn't speak english and didn't know that's what knives meant We'll say. Anyway, I'm going to go talk to my wife about possible baby names. I think I need to make make adjustments to my suggestions. Um, (laughs) But uh, until next time, as always, please do not put a dirty sock in your own wrestling's mouth. Yeah. Total slaughter, total slaughter, I won't leave a single man alive. La 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 lula, genocide, lili luli lu, an ocean of blood. Let's begin the killing time.